Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. In so many ways, we are more than the sum of uh, our parts and what people expect of us. And guess what? If you're within the sound of my voice, that must mean you're in the seats with once more. As always, my name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals, and we pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and in a conversational fashion. And you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you do, because quite frankly, you're listening right now. Uh, and if you are subscribed, hit that subscribe button. You can see a five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere, places like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google. And plus, we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seat YouTube channel. So if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we'd absolutely appreciate it. Also, don't uh, hesitate to check us out on the social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterboxd, the TikTok, and probably a few other places, too, quite frankly, at In The Seats for all sorts of fun updates. And finally, and I do dare say most importantly, Please pay us a visit over at In The Seats, intheseats.ca, for all the latest and greatest from the world of film, television, basically the moving image at large. Because guess what? If we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it, we love it even more when we come by and you come by and read about it and listen about it. So do us that kindness and pay us a visit. You know, on this episode, we're talking a little bit of short film. It is that season. It is it award season. Uh, and, I mean, the voting is being cut off in, in minutes for uh, the Oscars, and, I mean, I think the BAFTAs it's already has been cut off, but we had the unique pleasure of taking a film that was shortlisted from both of those organizations for the Best Short Film Award. It's called The One Note Man, uh, and it's a, it's a really a delightful, delightful little film. It's about uh, a bassoonist, a man played by uh, Jason Watkins, who has a strict routine who involves him bicycling to the opera house and playing his one note in the orchestra every day and then going home and back to his life and repeating and so on and so forth. But it, it comes around that, you know, this one note man wants a little bit more in his life. And, you know, we see him, we see his journey and we see sort of that come around and it's a silent film. There's no dialogue, but it is one of the most delightful joyous little pieces of cinema that I have seen in quite some time. I defy anyone who gets the privilege of watching One Note Man to not have an absolute smile on their face because, again, in this era of cynicism and negativity and everything that's out there in the world, this is 21 minutes of just putting a smile on your face, and I mean, it is such a joyous thing. I cannot speak on it enough. It is a beautiful little piece of cinema, but we had the unique pleasure of sitting down with uh, the writer-director of the film, Mr. George Slogus, and one of the executive producers of the film, uh, Mr. Josh Friedman, on uh, sort of the origins of getting this project done and sort of making a short film and and the the importance of short storytelling in the, in, in the space right now. And I mean, we really had a fantastic talk and uh, I sincerely do hope that this uh, does make it to the big dance for the Oscars and the BAFTAs, because this is really just, again, it's a gorgeous piece of cinema, and I can't wait for more and more people to see it. But please, uh, when you get a chance, uh, if you are a short film enthusiast, please check out The Wound Up Man starring Jason Watkins. But first, enjoy our talk with George and Josh 
uh, the men behind the film because, quite frankly, it's a darn good one. Well, I mean, just again, kick this off officially. Just, I want to thank you both for the time today, and just congrats on the work on the One Note Man, I, guys. I absolutely loved it. Thank you, thank you, David. Appreciate Thanks, it. David. No, I mean, George, I think I guess the first question is for you. Like, walk me through the origin of this, uh, this very sweet, but I mean, very funny story as well. Like, it evoked a little bit of Harold Lloyd in me as I was watching it. It was really sort of a throwback to sort of those classic, very earnest comedies. Mm. Absolutely. I love silent movies and the birth of cinema, of course, was silent. And uh, like you said, um, also Charlie Chaplin and uh, all those amazing movies were, were just uh, constantly in my mind. But I, I guess I'm interested in in the human spirit and human qualities like decency and compassion and courage perseverance and i always root for the geek in the movies <laughs> jack lemon was my favorite and uh i suppose there's something very jack lemon-esque about jason watkins in this film um i'm also very interested in exploring fear i think fear is within us all and i'm interested in exploring its various manifestations so when I came across this uh, 1921 cartoon by an artist called H.M. Bateman, which was published in the funnies back then, called The One Note Man. And I saw that the cartoon really was is really about this man's routine. You know, he wakes up, go, rides the bus, goes to work, sits down, waits for his turn. He plays one note, rides the bus, goes home, brushes his teeth, goes home, and that's it. That was a kind of dark tone to it. The uh, cartoon is a little dark. Um, and I thought, well, this, this is, first of all, this is a brilliant, very clean idea for mm. a short film. This musician who, whose, whose job is to play one note. But immediately it sparked a lot of questions. And it tapped into these themes, which I'm interested in. Why does he play one note? Is it is this a choice? Uh, clearly, he can play more notes. He's a musician hired in an orchestra, uh, obviously. But uh, is it what is he happy? Is he sad? Is he complacent? Is is he happy in this complacency? What is it? So I wanted to explore more about this guy. And the more I thought about it, the more I became fascinated by him and with him and. I wanted to journey with him. So I thought, what's the one thing that, what, what if we pulled him out of this routine? And I identified with this complacency. I've been there. And I'm sure a lot of us have in many ways. And I thought, well, what, how would he react if somehow this uh, routine was broken and uh, he faced a calling, a calling which he could not resist? Mm. And what is the, the calling that we all cannot resist if it hits us in the head? Love. Um, so And so I developed it. That was really the, the, the sort of the idea that, that from which this story really, uh, it became very clear to me that, you know, um, uh, what, what, the, what the film should be about. And it's a love story, obviously. And um, so it asks these questions, uh, David, and, you know, it's questions, uh, these are questions that interest me, I guess. I love it. Now, I mean, the film has such rhythm to it as well. I mean, particularly the sound design from, I mean, him brushing his teeth to the scraping of the toast to the bike bell. There is such, 
I mean, there's there's dialogue basically in in the noises. You know, this is not this is a film without dialogue, but I mean, through the music and the sounds, we we feel the story. Can you talk to me a little bit about the importance of, I guess, the right noise for the right moment as you're telling the story? Well, music really, and and everything musical, I suppose, like sound effects, like you mentioned, and everything in it really are my are my only tools to help me tell the story i have more tools i have my images and and uh and the actors provide performance and and uh, of course the script and but music is a, a, a huge, very powerful tool in this film and actually becomes a third character so stephen warbeck our oscar-winning composer was uh, my co-storyteller and it was immensely important not just not just for the parts that are musical, which are the obvious parts when the orchestra is playing, and then the score, of course, the film has a score for the moments outside the theater, which is pretty much business as usual in terms of scoring a, a film. Um, but as you, as you said, everything, suddenly all this stuff, when you have dialogue, it sort of becomes, it blends into the background a lot more and it yeah. becomes part of the atmosphere, which sometimes you don't even register. It's all, almost a subconscious thing. But with this, because there's no dialogue, suddenly everybody's listening, you know, everybody's. So I was very aware of, I think sound design is important anyway. And I think the, 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 uh, the oral experience, the music is uh, in, in, in the cinema experience. I, I think it's fifty percent of the experience, really. But but you're right. It, it, a lot of care went into the, the rhythm, as you say, of uh, of everything. But it's all it's also commanded by picture. So oh, yeah, picture picture really commands, you know, an action, the action and and Jason and in camera rhythm also. It's not just about the editing, but you know the the performance within the frame, within the one shot, is important. Which isn't different from any other really, any other uh, I guess uh, a drama. You you know all that is uh, a scene has a rhythm, a natural rhythm, and commanded by the, the actors and I guess the director, uh, just like a conductor, fine tunes, um, this stuff. But with this one, it was a little bit more meticulous, like that. Because, you know, I, I kind of felt it was more under the microscope. For sure, for sure. Now, I mean, Josh, this is something I've always been kind of curious about, because when it comes to short film, I mean, obviously I love short film, but outside of sort of the festival experience, at least most people don't quite understand, I guess, the means to an end when it comes to making a short film, because it's not like you're going to be playing box office from it or any, anything like that. Now, can you talk to me a little bit about just when a project like this does come across your desk and sort of the idea that it takes to sort of get it going because i mean obviously you guys have such great steam going now like even shortlisted for the baftas for the oscars there's a lot of momentum behind the film which could turn into something but i mean i guess how do you know how to where to sort of make that bet and sort of push on forward on a short project like this well i haven't made a short film since university um so it is a bit of a bet like you say um but um, George and I uh, started our relationship prior, prior to this uh, project, thankfully, um, and we're uh, sort of on a ship um, in another water uh, with a feature. Um, and so George came to my attention through his agency. Uh, we have a, a project 
and George was very vocal about um, his excitement over this feature. Um, and in, and it's been my experience that when people people don't get excited often about things, and when they do, you have to pay attention. Um, it's it's important for whatever reason. Um, but in particular, George was um, very vocal about this this feature, and and we struck a relationship, and we're we're on a ship uh, in an ocean, um, you know, trying to get that sold. Um, in the meantime, George has a day job and is a wildly creative guy and um, I'm um, in awe of that and very thankful that he thought of me to share this project at an early at an early stage and yes it was a short film but um, after reading the script and hearing about um, the other producers who uh, were just as passionate and lovely and caring and warm um, hearing that they were as passionate as as George, it was hard to <laughs> hard to disregard this this music, you know, coming from the other end of the phone. For sure. So um, it's not a it's not a question of economics on this one. Um, it's a question of of love, and that transcends the project both on the screen and behind. And I think it's what gives us flight. Um, I think it's what's carried us. Among uh, among these great other shortlisted films, um, uh, and so you know, not everything is about economics. And luckily, we we also have that left brain or right brain thought. We we have a distributor, um, uh, NIT uh, Northern Ireland I Ireland Television Network, something like that, right, George? Um, network. Yeah. Network. Sorry, Network Ireland. Um, and so we hope to sell, I mean, they're, they're working away at bringing, um, buyers to this film. Uh, we're, we're excited to hear, um, what the evolution of, of this film will be. But, um, if the, the, the impetus was really out of something very romantic and, and lovely. Well, and I mean, it lets the love and it lets the art form really shine. And I mean, I think, you know, that's really the importance and really sort of why, at least from my perspective, why short film is so vital. And I mean, in seeing this, I mean, I was so happy to see, George, that you had uh, Sir Ian McKellen doing uh, the narration. And I mean, full disclosure, Josh and I uh, went to high school together, we're friends, and he told me a story about this, which I absolutely loved at the screening. I mean, I've got to ask you to share that with us, because again, it just speaks to sort of the importance of the art form and how it takes a village and just really all of us sort of helping one another get, you know, beautiful projects like this made. Well, Ian McKellen, he came, uh, he, uh, he was an idea that my co-producer, um, Michael Stevenson had then. And he said, you know, we've been talking about Ian McKellen a lot because he, he has a film fund through which it's not a film fund. Actually, it's not accurate. It's a, it's a, it's an arts fund and he doesn't really find that. Uh, on films, but it's more more to do with theater. Mm. However, when he um, when uh, Michael approached him because he knew him, they they Michael is also an actor, and they had done a play together. So he approached him with a script and said, "What if we make something of this that is educational and we can show it in the theater? So we can we can show this to let's say children and a, a young a young audience 
And the uh, what if the music is live? So the the music the, the the movie plays to a live orchestra, and then we can teach the kids about what the conductor is and what the bassoon is, and maybe they can be cued to play their own little notes and all that, and became a, an educational thing. And he loved it, and so he helped us finance the movie. So he's he was instrumental in the making of the movie. And uh, we, we had that screening and that was a, 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 an incredible experience. Kids clapping and all. it was just incre incredible. It communicates to kids so well, this film. But then um, then Mike said, and we sort of, I think Josh also, Josh, I think that was your idea. I think Josh uh, voiced it first and we were so caught up in the thing. And Josh said, well, what do you should have, you know, you should have Ian McKellen voice. And we thought, yeah, of course, it just makes perfect sense. It's just that he's never going to say yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as you have it, we sent it to him and he, well, he saw the film. So we finished the film. So he had read the script, obviously he liked the script to help us finance it, but lending his voice, that's a diff different matter. So he, he, he saw it and he loved it. And he said, yes. And off we went. And we were waiting. We had our, our meeting was at a, a 10 a.m. at his home in London, uh, in the docks. And he's bought the pub right next to his his home, which is the the uh, one of the oldest pubs in London. Um, and and Dickens used to drink there. And you walk in the pub and you see the staff. Gandalf's staff is at the bar. Love it. Love it. And at, yeah, and at that point, you're you're you know, it's an outer body experience. You know, you're kind of you're you're in Disneyland, and you sort of uh, experiencing some sort of uh, surreal tour. And you know, we walk in his house, and there he is, and it's just it's just amazing. But the sweetest man, and kindest man, open, generous, lovely, absolutely lovely experience. And he's the fairy dust, of course, to our Christmas story. Totally, absolutely. No, I mean, I've got to ask because it's just such a ride that you guys are getting to get on because, I mean, obviously, as you know, as we've said before, it takes a village really to make anything in this business, no matter where you are, and to be sort of recognized out of the thousands, if not tens of thousands of short films that probably get produced every year, I've got to imagine for both of you is a bit of a trip in and of itself, like how have you managed to sort of appreciate the reception that One Note Man seems to be getting all across the globe right now? Well, it, it's very surreal. You know, I come from a small place. Uh, I come from Athens, Greece, and Athens, uh, Greece is a small country. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a small suburb in Athens and you know, speaking a different language. And it's a small market. And I've always been watching British films and uh, I grew up on on Hollywood and Spielberg and Lucas and you know I'm a kid of the 80s you know all right so uh, and, and it's always been the sort of wonderland you know but also British films and the craft and, and just to be recognized by the British you know industry like that but also Hollywood itself for the short list as you say just to be selected out of all these films in the world it is just the hugest honor and I'm so humbled and I do have imposter syndrome. <laughs> I, I, look at my, I look at my BBC pass and I, I have moments very often where I go, why am I here? <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful, but also yeah. surreal but, and, and humbling and just beautiful. 
I mean, it's a, it's a very similar story um, to myself. Uh, George and I are cut from similar cloths. I mean, you said before, uh, you know, David, we were high school students and in musicals together. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone has dreams. And, and I guess um, part of the gravitation to this project is it's it's a poetic embodiment of, of all of our dreams that if we could just get out of our heads and if we could just dream and love and, um, you know, uh, play two notes, three notes, a whole sort of stanza of, of, of poetry, good things could happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, even in high school, I always believe that, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come uh, as corny as it sounds, but those are those movies that stay with you and um, get you up in the morning. So you know, it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of it. And, and the, the hoopla, let's say of it all, you know, it, you know, will come and go. And um, it's, it's what get up, gets others excited. And, and we're all just part of, you know, those, those kids in the bleachers. Um, it just happened that, that we, we've worked hard and, and people have recognized it for now. Um, but I say this to everyone, like we've made something really extraordinary and that's, that's the award. That's the, the privilege. Um, and everything else is, is, is gravy, I guess. Well, Josh is right. We, we dream for a living and, yeah. and you know, it's, it's what the film's about. Also, it's one of the main, main themes in the film. Um, the one note man, when we first meet him, he stopped dreaming. His spark has gone out because of his loss. And I've certainly been there uh, in my life. And I guess it's about that. It's about just don't never stop dreaming. None of us should stop dreaming. And Absolutely. if we, we persevere, we'll get there. Now, I mean, just for both of you to put a bow on this. And I mean, Josh, I'd like your opinion on this first, because at least from my perspective, the short film has always been so important to the vitality of of film and cinema as a whole when it comes to storytelling and just sort of getting different voices out there and really being established. I mean, I know growing up, you know, us both being Canadian, the National Film Board was always sort of looming overhead with all the stuff that they had going on. But I'd love both your perspectives on why the short film matters. Because again, in the world of Oppenheimers and, you know, 14-hour Scorsese movies and Napoleons and everything else in between, there is there is beauty and there is real talent to be able to tell something in, you know, 20-odd minutes like you guys have done here. All those, all those, all those filmmakers that we revere, uh, you know, Chris Nolan made a short film. Uh, everyone made short films. Uh, Chris did, I think it was called The Following or Unfollowing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. First, uh, it was a short, and everyone everyone does that. I mean, whether it's by necessity or design, you know, you're young and you don't always have those resources, so sh shorts are short. Um, but it's even in Hollywood now, the short, the music video, those those short form things, um, especially with young kids, it's an attention span thing, but these are valuable stepping stones to 
the next level and and it it it's a training ground if you can tell such an interesting unique compelling story in a small amount of time um, you're sort of given the keys to to do that a little longer um, I, i'm curious to see uh, if if short films will be exploited more will be more pro prolific with streaming and it seems like that Quibi sort of tried to attempt a, a kind of a, a real stance with that. Um, but uh, the short form uh, film is uh, sacred ground, I think, especially for filmmakers. For sure. 100%. I echo what Josh just said. And it's usually filmmakers when they start out, you know, kids, uh, you know, they don't have the means. We uh, we all start from short films. Mm. It's the gateway into the business. Also, cutting our teeth uh, and, 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 and our way of telling a story by any means we have. And, and today, kids can do that so much easier than before um, because, you know, you just pick up your iPhone, you can shoot sure. a film, you can edit it on your iPhone. You can you can produce a whole film so easy. Just gather your friends and and do it. So you know these days it's even easier because the technology is there. It's it's, it's not an easy format. Short films are tough formats. It's a tough format because you really don't have much time to emotionally involve an audience. Yeah. yeah. So economy and storytelling is a good mindset anyway, but especially with a short, it's really important. So what better school? to learn that, to be forced to think that way. Totally. So it's absolutely vital that we support short films. And and again, now is a very good time. Short films, like the platforms like Omeletto, and the, you know, there's more of a market for short films at the moment than ever before. Absolutely vital that we support short films. No, I love it. No, and I agree both 100% on that. And I mean, with one note man i mean again this is such a simple but such a beautiful story man i smiled from ear to ear the minute i saw it and i mean no matter where this ride takes you guys just honestly enjoy it every step of the way because i mean really like you said you know we dream for a living and i mean you guys are getting to sort of take it as far as you you, know, you possibly can but i mean honestly i wish you both you know the best of luck with it all and just enjoy the ride and again thank you for the work and thank you so much for the time today guys i really appreciate it thank you david it's a pleasure to meet you Likewise. Thanks, Dave. Really Thanks, a great thing for us to be able to do. And don't forget to, to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray rental or purchasing needs this summer as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well. Over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.